Welcome to the Human Insight Podcast, where we help you bridge the empathy gap to bring you a valuable new understanding of some of the most innovative ideas and trends shaping the future of business and customer experience. I'm Janelle Estes, Chief Insights Officer at User Testing, and today we've invited Mona Patel. And Mona is the CEO of Motivate Design. Mona and I have known each other for quite a few years now and have very similar interests around understanding customers, building empathy, and designing great experiences. So welcome to the show, Mona. Thank you. It's so exciting to be here. So can you tell me just a little bit about your role at, at Motivate? I started Motivate 11 years ago after um, uh, maybe 10 or so years, 8 or 10 years, working in the space of human factors in the center design um, and really have focused on doing kind of a experimental research, I would call it, and listening to customers versus talking to customers. I think a lot of times people say you need to talk to customers, but this is really about listening. Um, and so we have a, um, a group of people who we call insiders. Uh, they're a community that's activated to find truth in the world around them. These insiders are not trained in any kind of interview um, protocol. It's just a conversation between two friends or a husband and wife or a husband and husband about a topic that they get really kind of deep into. I mean, one that we just did is, why people bought so much toilet paper. And it was just a really fascinating study to listen in on through conversations versus an interview. It's almost like you're eavesdropping. Um, yeah. It, it, it <laughs> yeah. So tell me, why did people buy so much toilet paper? Um, so it came down to a couple of things, but obviously it, it was not a rational decision. It was an emotional, fear-based decision. It came down to, I want to have it, A, so I don't look dumb. And B, so that I have power, so that if, if, if everyone is right and there's no toilet paper and that's all everyone wants, I can barter. Um, <laughs> so it was very me-centric uh, and taking care of me and my family uh, versus anything community or um, kind of altruistic at all. Yeah. And most of the conversations ended with people going, I think I'm a bit ridiculous. It's interesting, right? Because, you know, when you, when you think about some of the kind of findings and behaviors that you were able to identify as part of this is it really just maps back to um, all these cognitive psychology principles um, that we can be aware of, but sometimes and oftentimes don't have control over. That's exactly it. You can't really ask people what they're going to do in the future. What you can do is understand how their brain works, you know, how how humans work in general, and then use that as a framework to predict what people will do because certain needs are being met, certain pain points are being resolved, certain gain points are being achieved. Yeah, and that actually is a great segue to what I wanted to chat with you about today. And we've both been doing some some work around really understanding um, brand messaging and how mm-hmm. consumers and humans, to your point, are reacting to how brands are communicating with them uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. I don't know if you want to tell me a little bit about uh, some of the work you've been doing and, and I can share some of our findings as well. But we asked our insiders to have a conversation with people about the brands they will or will not support anymore as a result of how they've managed themselves through this pandemic. And again, a big caveat here to my point earlier, what people say they're going to do is not necessarily what they are going to do. So they may say, I'm no longer going to support Amazon, but then they might still have a prime membership and still do it. Uh, That's the fun of humans. But um, what we were really trying to understand is what's sticking out for them. What are they noticing? Uh, and where are the emotions? You know, where are they getting angry or frustrated or entitled? I really want to dig into some of the learnings from your study. But also before we do that, 
let you know that we actually did something really similar where we asked people to identify brands and uh, messages that have resonated with them, either negatively or positively related to COVID-19. And then in addition to that, we had people actually look at individual ads that we chose across a variety of industries and had them react. Um, So we learned some interesting things there as well. But let's talk about what's resonating, um, what is working um, in terms of how brands are responding in the eyes of consumers. Meaningful engagement. Like understand what customers actually need right now and deliver that. And if you think of almost like a, a hierarchy or a pyramid, you know, at the very bottom is reasonable prices, dependable service, quality products, the things that um, are about the product. But as you move up, it switches from the product to more of the brand and how the brand is engaging with us right now. The, the more the brands are meaningfully engaging with me and leaving the imprinting an emotion in me, the more likely I am to A, engage with our content, to B, be more loyal to the brand because I appreciate the conversation that they're trying to have with me. It ties to authenticity, um, which came up in almost every conversation of why are you doing what you're doing? Um, what, we're, what we found is that if they can smell a sense of selfishness, they're not into it. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, if there's an ad that's really, really all about selling more things to me, um, for whatever reason, all we have is the beginning of a thread that we want to pull. Um, and learn more about, which is why, why is selfishness such a turnoff right now? I don't know the answer to why yet, um, but I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, there's a very sort of visceral reaction from people. Mm-hmm. They feel as though you are trying to economically benefit. One of them, one of them mentioned Coca-Cola, which is very interesting. interesting. So, you know, there's a love-hate relationship with this particular consumer and Coca-Cola because she saw an ad about how they were um, donating money to the front lines. So she's like, I appreciate, but I also don't appreciate the fact that you made everyone open. And so that's an, that's an interesting, um, you know, perspective to, yeah. to dive into. Because what else could they do? You know, if, the, if, the, if their current view is you're not good for society, then giving money away or giving products away to frontline workers is still not going to make you better for society. The link, the intersection between who you are, what you've done, what you're doing, and how you're helping all need to be pretty crystal clear for consumers to go, yeah, see, I love this brand. I get them. They're doing the right thing. You know, it's super interesting because we actually did a study of a billboard um, that was in Times Square and from Coca-Cola. And what Mm -hmm. they had done was they had put uh, lots of space between each of the letters in their logo, Um, Mm Coca-Cola. And it really was, the message was around by staying apart, we stay together, something along those lines. And people really didn't respond that well. Um, It felt very much they were trying to be sort of at the forefront or gaining it, trying to get attention in an environment and in a time where, you know, maybe they're not the brand that needs to have the spotlight right now. If I tie something else I read um, over to this example, there's um, an amount of respect that consumers want from brands right now. And you telling me to stay six feet apart from someone when I already know that's what I'm supposed to be doing is really kind of useless information. Tell me what you're doing. How are you helping? You have tremendous amounts of money. I have not a lot of money. I just got laid off. My sister got laid off or whatever got laid off. 
And, you know, here you are reminding me on a big billboard in Times Square, which I can't even go see. And this is the kind of stuff that I love. It gets so real. You know, there's a few that are like, am I allowed to do that part? <laughs> like, they just get really pissed off by stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. And it, it begs the question of why they didn't test that before. You know, all of us, I, I, I want us all to think about, like, when can we ask more, listen more? Absolutely. I think I want to go back to one of the things that you said, which was for companies to communicate how they have uniquely responded or provided value in the current environment. And this is everything from pivoting um, to offering new products and services. So some of the brands that came up in our study were brands like Domino's Pizza, who um, actually have created this whole service offering and product around contactless delivery. Something that, you know, it's a pizza company. You wouldn't think that that would be a brand that would pop in people's minds. But out of, you know, close to 400 people that we surveyed, that brand came up over and over again. There's also other brands like State Farm and Geico that are actually returning some of the premiums to people Mm -hmm. not driving their cars as much. That is a a nice way to give back, but also uh, reinforces or almost rewards uh, people for staying home and, and sheltering in place. And then the, the other one that comes to mind is how companies are taking care of their employees during this time. Yeah. We're yep. super we heard sensitive to that right now because they're aware that people who are supporting these businesses that are employed by these companies um, are putting themselves at risk. And do we really need to put ourselves at risk to go, you know, buy a roll of toilet paper? I don't know. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. We had, uh, I love this. I love, those are great examples. Um, we had the treatment of employees come up in every conversation. And interestingly, uh, again, this is just the threat um, was the difference between being a small business and a large business when it comes to treating employees. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't tell which one they're more lenient on quite yet, but I think they're more lenient on the small businesses uh, and if small businesses are prioritizing the health and safety of their uh, employees, there's this incredible loyalty over to them. You know, so there's one um, where they talked about how they're only shipping two times a week just to limit the number of times that people have to come in to ship the product. And more people are buying it now. Yeah. So it's more inconvenient. I have to be more patient, yet I'm buying more of this beauty product. So I thought that was really, a, it's a really interesting example. And and then when you mix in, you know, how long you've been around, how much money people perceive you have your values of making sure that comes first above everything else. The other thing um, that came up that is, uh, I think really synergistic with what you just said is this question that is the theme. Why do you exist? It's almost like every company is like reapplying to, you know, for, for our dollars. It's like, you know, in my mind, in my metaphorical mind, (laughs) you know, it's like an interview or a a college application. Not everyone's going to make it out of this. And why would you make it out? You have to have a great product, but you also have to have a great brand. Um, Back to your comment about sniffing out any sort of approach or any sort of strategy to make profit out of this. It's so much less about that and more about, you know, how you're, how you're thinking about the world. One of the, the um, brands that that comes to mind actually is Uber. And when you think of Uber, you know, there, you've got, you know, the story of the CEO where they're all interesting stories. So many interesting stories, the 85 stuff and they have continually had to repair their reputation. But one of the ads that scored really well in our study was one that was done by Uber. And the main message was thanking people for not riding. And to me, I thought that was really interesting because it actually goes completely against 
their short-term business goals and more um, weight or more investment and building a brand that people will think of if and when we all start doing ride-sharing again. This is so awesome. So we had Uber come up as, an, as not a great example. So uh, it wasn't about the ad, it was about the brand in general. And it, if I um, summarize this correctly, it's uh, the drivers are the ones that are in pain, not you. You know, your overhead is an app and the technology. And so if people aren't writing, are writing, what are you going to lose? Like you'll just pause until whenever people write again. But the people and now are Uber drivers and now don't have anybody to transport, they're the ones that are getting hurt. What are you doing for them? It's one thing to be like, don't ride, stay home. But who, who gets hurt most? when that happens? And how are you taking care of them? This is a great example of something to, to peel back the layers on and say, well, good that they um, are telling people to stay home because we don't want to advocate the opposite. But you can't advocate the opposite. You don't get any points for telling me what I already knew I, I couldn't do. Yeah, it's interesting. It just kind of goes to the power of you know how important it is for people, for companies to understand how their target audience perceives. Everything is changing. I mean, you and I said this um, early on that, you know, I don't think that research companies have to worry about because the entire demographic that you used to market to is changing. What they believe, what they think, what they want, at least temporarily. And you have to know that now. And I don't know how you would know that if you don't listen. One of the things that keeps coming up, um, or one of the things that I've heard, uh, you know, a topic of discussion that I've heard is around pausing your messaging and your marketing and um, really just kind of waiting for this to blow over before you reinvest. There's, I mean, if you look at the data, there's a lot, of, a huge reduction in marketing spend. Um, companies are scared in terms of you know, how people are going to perceive their messaging. They're, they're scared that they're not going to get it right. Do you have any thoughts on th- that strategy? Like, Do you think brands should continue to message during this time? Or do you think they should pause and kind of wait for consumer behavior to sort of make more sense? I think companies need to be intentional. So if you have an intention, then do not pause and make your intention clear. You know, if you don't have an intention, please pause, <laughs> stop with your emails that say nothing, you know, and instead come up with one, understand what value you can bring to a customer's life and then start offering that. And if you don't know that, do the research, do the inquiry, do the design thinking to figure that out. It's almost like the urgency to really understand your customers has increased dramatically over the last couple of months. I think for, I would say for the last, you know, five Plus years, companies have been able to get by because they have some general understanding of their customer, what motivates them, what they need. But everything is sort of like tossed in the air at this point. Now it's like, do I need this? Is this a brand I support? Do I want to buy it from Sephora or small business? There's so many more decisions now. And so right. now, you know, you really need to be more resonant right now. Every dollar counts, and and we are being a bit more cautious about spend. So if you want the dollar, uh, the value dynamic is is different. Absolutely, we're doing a little bit of digging right now, but uh, particularly around the retail space. And you know, you, you're starting to see some of this messaging. We're taking extra cleaning precautions, and we have cart wipes, and we want you to wear a mask. So all of that is really, in my opinion, ex- expected. Like you, you should be doing that. Like you have to hit that bar. But what is it that a retailer or a grocery store chain 
could create that would really change behavior. I think of, I don't know if you've seen the headlines around, there's like a, uh, <laughs> like a grocery store on wheels instead of going to the grocery store, you know, and exposing yourself and, and taking all of that risk. Um, and instead of getting your grocery delivered, and of course there's the age-old complaint that, you know, their apples are bruised or mm-hmm. they don't like the yeah. banana. This is sort of meeting people in the middle. Grocery store on wheels, for lack of a better term, comes to your house and you can shop. And then it goes to somebody else's house. Super interesting way to solve the problem. Probably not scalable. Probably not something that's going to be around forever. But I want to see more of that because I think we're at a place where people are open to trying new ways of doing necessary activities. If I were a grocery store, that's the way I would be thinking. You know, we've had grocery stores designed with really the only healthy things on the outskirts and everything unhealthy taking up 75% of the center. Creativity and innovation is going to be the key for anybody out of this. You know, nobody is really comfortable with going back into a grocery store or a retailer. So I think that there's a, a really important balance point. It's like, give me everything, you know, make sure that employees are taken care of, make sure everybody has a mask, make sure everyone's six feet apart, make sure we can work from home. But like, that's not reasonable for a business. Right. It's not sustainable. No. And so, you know, if you want the business to be around, there's also uh, a little leeway that some of the consumers are starting to realize they need to give. It's almost like the companies and the brands that you believe in are the ones that you want to remain loyal to. You've got to, you know, maybe not meet them in the middle, but meet them somewhere. A third. Um, yeah, a third of the way. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there are some brands that have a lot of runway. You know, so you think about the Starbucks versus the small coffee shop. There are some brands that can do more for you and do more for the employees because they had more margin built into their product. You overpaid for some of their products. You know, and then there's some smaller brands that don't have that leeway. They only have one month to three months of runway. And so they can't afford to do all the things that the larger franchise brands can do. Which one do you want to support? There's no right or wrong. It's just going to be really interesting. Mm, Yeah, it's a great point. Well, Mona, it was awesome connecting with you on this. And I think what's, uh, what's amazing is that there's so much overlap with what we learn and what we know about humans and what motivates them and what scares them and reading through that to really understand and deliver what they need. And I think companies really, really need to invest in that during this environment. Everything's changing, including your consumers and their behaviors. And the only way to stay on pace with it and make the right decisions is to to understand, deeply understand those changes. I agree. This is awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Human Insight Podcast. Want to keep the conversation going? You can visit our podcast hub, usertesting.com slash podcast, and check out past episodes. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, please tell a friend or leave us a rating on iTunes.